The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. follow-up today is with Frank Saravalli, the senior hockey reporter for the Sports Network, TSN, up in Canada. And Frank and I go back a number of years when he was covering the Flyers in Philadelphia. And Frank, since you started at the Philadelphia Daily News covering the Flyers at just 21 years old, what was the moment that made you question early on whether you wanted to do this forever? Well, I can tell you exactly where I was. Um, I was in St. Louis, and it sounds so arbitrary, but it was 2015, and I decided kind of at that exact moment on that trip, it was in St. Louis, the Flyers were playing an utterly meaningless late February game in a season where they weren't sniffing the playoffs, and I can remember thinking, I'm a new dad, my son is about to turn one, Christian, and I'm thinking, this team is not anywhere close to the playoffs, and no one's reading it. What am I doing here? Why am I in the middle of nowhere covering game number 29 in a meaningless season? I decided then that I didn't want to continue being a beat writer where I'm kind of, you know, marching to that beat. I wanted to do something a little bit different where I can get a more broad scope in exactly what I'm doing. And, you know, I think it's worked out pretty well since then. Do you remember what you did after the game that night to start to put the wheels in motion? Well, I think it started with about six million beers uh, <laughs> trying to sort through that and, and, and figure it all out. But um, I think I started getting the ball rolling, applying to TSN to go there. And I think a lot of people, when they see me working at TSN, they'll say like, oh, how did you land that job? Well, actually, it, it just started by applying online pretty much like everyone else would. And then after that, I kind of contacted people that I knew there uh, to help push the process forward, but it just started with a pretty simple online application. How has life changed as a father since post beat now working at TSN? Well, it's it's enabled me to be at home. I wouldn't say more because I still probably travel a hundred plus nights a year like I did when I was covering the Flyers. But what I like about it is the flexibility while I'm at home. When I'm here covering, you know, basically the bones of the season before I really start traveling in the playoffs, from September all the way through March or April, I, I pretty much have one or two or three trips a month, and they're short, two nights and back or one night and back. And, but when I'm here, I'm working in my home office. I have the John Clayton studio set up where I can kind of pull my wig off when I'm done doing a TV hit and I'm right back to being a dad. Or when the kids were really young, Christian, before he was in school, he could kind of just walk upstairs and walk into my office and see what I'm doing. And that was such a great feeling rather than chasing a team around the country uh, or having to be at practice every day. Uh, the hours were different. The work was different. I was stressful at first trying to get a handle on everything. All of a sudden, you go from covering one team to covering 31, and you, you realize how little you know. So it took a while to really feel comfortable in the position, but I think the trade-off for being home, and when I'm home, I'm completely home, um, is a great feeling. How are you treated by teams now that you're at, C- at TSN and, and you've been there for a while versus 
when you were a 21-year-old beat writer for the Flyers? Well, I can tell you it's easier talking to players. Um, you know, when you work at a national network, especially in Canada, it's a fascinating thing where, um, and it took me a while to get used to this as well, where you walk in the locker room and some guys recognize you and they kind of come up to you and start talking right away, which is such a bizarre feeling because you're so used to having to introduce yourself or kind of, you know, that small talk before the interview starts where you're just trying to warm a guy up a little bit and just have a normal conversation as a human being instead of just sticking a microphone in his face or a notepad and saying, I have these pressing questions for you. So I always enjoy that part of it, um, just that conversation. And it makes it so much easier when someone recognizes your face or your name or your Twitter handle or something like that, just they've heard of you before and you're not just some stranger that walks in. And the platform of TSN really helps in that regard. Teams, I think, have also kind of, you know, treated me a little bit differently as well, if I'm being completely honest. Before, um, you're just the local guy that comes in, and now all of a sudden when you have a national job, you get certain teams that don't get a lot of coverage really bend over backwards to try and um, get their name out there, get their team covered a bit more um, with TSN. And I think that's a fascinating thing. I think the pushback from my part working at TSN is it's all about clicks now. It's all about traffic and how much you can drive. So we're not just focusing on all 31 teams, if there's a great story, we'll tell it. But at a certain point, we're really only focused on a handful, maybe 10 teams that really move the needle. If you're writing stories about the Florida Panthers or Carolina Hurricanes, they're not getting the job done. So it might be a great story and one that you love telling, which is some part of the job that I miss at times, just telling a great story. We're also looking for teams and players that people are really interested in reading about. Players ever give you heat for that? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think in some ways, while they recognize um, you maybe and you can have a conversation, no one's really kind of broken my balls about, hey, why aren't you covering this team? The one thing that's funny, though, is when you get to playoffs, everyone starts paying attention to what you're doing and who you're picking and who you're predicting. I remember last year um, finally making it to Vegas for the third round. And really before the series started, um, I, I basically said after game one, it was so early in the series and it looks foolish looking back on it now that the, the Golden Knights, you know, couldn't skate with the Winnipeg Jets, that the series wouldn't even be close. The Jets really blew them out in game one of that series, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And I said that on TV. And when we made it back to Vegas for game three, I remember walking through the hallway late after a game and a player was walking out with his wife and family and he just said, hey, remember that time you picked the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets to beat the Golden Knights? He's like, I'll see you in a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, like, I guess people do pay attention and watch. And it's funny to see that at playoff time, but it means a lot more. But then that also can't change how you approach things on TV either, right? No, I mean, I, I try and be as honest and unfiltered as possible. And I think I do a good job of that. It's sometimes you get caught looking in the most narrow terms possible instead of continuing to look at things from a 10,000 foot view uh, and see the big picture. One game doesn't decide a series. It's so easy to get wrapped up in that uh, and make some sort of bold prediction. Now, speaking of bold predictions, I make 31 at the start of every season and there, some of them can be pretty outlandish. Like, Oh, this coach will be fired in the next month when you're starting out a season. Some of them 
really go on to look at that's my most fun story of the year that I do. And it's my chance to look like an idiot on a number of different platforms. Last year, my bold prediction for the Edmonton Oilers was that they would win the Stanley Cup. You know that they didn't even make the playoffs. But that's besides the point. Um, the point is to be bold, not just make some prediction that everyone knows is likely to happen. And so predictions can be wild. They can be fun. Uh, but the point is, I think, to have fun with it and, and also own it. You know, I think that's the one thing about sports media and media in general is that we're afraid to admit when we're wrong. I think that's what makes us real and human is when you can stand up on the same platform a few days later, or in my case, at the end of the Winnipeg Jets Golden Knights Western Conference final last year and say, hey, I screwed up. I, I didn't get this right. I wasn't even close. And I'm happy to own it. Do you think that there are too many in, and I don't want to say sports media, but so let's just say in the national hockey media, folks who take themselves too seriously? Well, I think that's in every walk of life, um, not just in sports media or national hockey media, but yeah, I think people get too wrapped up in, in what they're doing, like especially from my perspective covering hockey, like this recovering hockey is not, you know, life or death and it's supposed to be fun. And that's the other part is like I said, just going back to just admit when you're wrong, like that, I think you gain so much, um, so many points from readers, viewers, listeners, watchers, because they're just like you, like they're seeing that you made the mistake. They're keeping track. I mean, you can't get anything by these fans. They're so smart. Everything that they're doing um, and all the content they're consuming, they understand who's real and who isn't. And you can get kind of, you'll get called out in a second. Uh, so you might as well own it. I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, maybe that is a downfall of sports media in general is that everyone kind of considers it life or death and doesn't have enough fun with it. I, I agree. So, so what are you doing today? A hockey reporter in the middle of August? Well, the best part about hockey is that it's like the one last sport where everyone really kind of shuts down for a period of time. Even the general managers, they lose their phones in August. And that allows everyone a chance to just cool off. So I'm going to hit the golf course. Nice. All right. Well, we'll enjoy a uh, beautiful day on the golf course. Good talking to you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Noah. Take care. Despite covering the Flyers at 21, Frank never looked that young, acted like it, but the gray hair fooled everyone. He's one of my favorite people that I've met through work to spend time with. We became instant friends, and it's really nice hearing from him that he's found the balance in his life that he recognized was necessary back in 2015. You can follow Frank on Twitter at Frank underscore Saravalli. That's S-E-R-A-V-A-L-L-I. Read his work at tsn.ca. Watch him whenever you're in Canada and heckle him about his predictions when you see him in an airport. We can talk work-life balance, people taking themselves too seriously, whatever you want. Let's do it on Twitter at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Also, if you're interested, I'm on Instagram at Wawa Run, an activity I'm sure Frank is very familiar with. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If you leave a five-star review, I'll read it right here, like this one from My Customer Says. Finally, a podcast with intelligent questions, real answers, and insightful guests. A quick listen and well worth your time. That was nice. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up. 
The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>